Oh, hey, good morning, Westbridge. Good to see you. I'm Ryan, and I'm pastor of Riverway Church in Champlin. And Jeremiah and I have been buddies since college, and I've been out here many times. And so this is kind of becoming like a second home for me. So thanks for letting me come today. As you guys have been in the series called Your Future Self, well, thank you. And uh, glad to be able to continue it. And let's just try to not think about the fact that Jeremiah is on a beach this morning somewhere. Uh, and we're all stuck here in St. Michael. Uh, in all seriousness, how many of you would love to be on vacation this morning? Let me see your hands. You'd love to be on vacation right now? Uh, how many of you would like to be on vacation with Jeremiah? Wow, we lost a lot of hands right there. That is... Sorry, Jeremiah, no love here. <laughs> but we love to go on vacation, don't we? I love to go on vacation because you get a chance to get away, right? You can disconnect from all the chaos of life and escape for a little bit. Uh, many years ago, Southwest Airlines had, had this brilliant marketing campaign in which they put people in awkward situations and then asked the question, want to get away? Do you remember those commercials? Those were awesome. I loved those commercials. I had one of those want to get away moments when I was in eighth grade, and it was coming to the end of our school year, and it was in Fayette, and the teacher said, listen, today we're going to have a sit-up contest, and so we're going to have a competition between the guys and the girls, so I need two guys to volunteer to do this sit-up competition, and of course, my hand shot right up. I wanted to be all in it, and not because I just wanted to win this thing and have bragging rights, but because there was this girl that I really liked, and her name was Carrie, and I just thought that if I win, she'd be really impressed with me, and she might want to go out with me. And so here I am, this other guy raised his hand, I'm like, I got this guy. So we get on the floor, and the whole eighth grade class circles around us in a circle, and here we go, he says go, and we're, I mean, we're just pounding out these sit-ups, 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 sit up. And it was probably somewhere around the 40th sit-up mark that I let out the biggest fart of my life. And... <laughs> It reverberated off of the floor, and with subsequent sit-ups came subsequent farts, and everybody was laughing. I was beat red. I did not stop. I was like, I'm going to win this thing. And it was one of those moments in my life that I wanted to get away. Let me just say that, all right? I wanted to get away. Uh, maybe, maybe you've had, maybe not the same, but maybe you've had similar want to get away moments that weren't nearly as horrific as that one. Uh, but in all seriousness, as we look toward our future, uh, we do know that there will be real and oftentimes difficult situations that come our way that will want to cause us to get away from it all. Um, and it might be a medical diagnosis. Maybe there's something that you're facing medically that the doctors have no answers for, no cure for. And in a situation like that, you're like, I just, I just want to get away. Uh, maybe it's in the future that you're going to lose someone you love and you'll face loneliness for the first time. Uh, maybe it's difficult situations with your kids, uh, difficult choices you have to make or heartache that they've caused. Uh, maybe it's a hardship in your marriage or a friendship that's been severed that you thought that friendship would never end. Maybe it would, could be an uncertainty in your job that, that would arise that maybe could create some financial pressure for us. And here's what I know is that every single one of us is going to face different hard things. And if you're not facing something hard right now, just buckle up and wait a few months and you'll probably be facing something. And in light of that, here's the question that I want to drive home for us today and what I want us to discuss. Where will your future self go to draw hope and strength from when you face what you don't want to face? Where will your future self draw strength and hope from when you face the difficult life circumstances that you do not want to face? 
How will you deal with it? Uh, will you run from it? Will you hide from it? Will you pretend it's not there? Uh, will you conquer? Will you rise above? What will that look like for you? You see, getting away isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to see how Jesus teaches us to do just that. But if your form of getting away means running away from a problem or not facing something head on, then we really set ourselves up for disappointment. Because when you finally come off of your buzz or you leave that hotel room or you click out of that website or you come back home, that challenge that problem, that worry is still going to be there. And in fact, through the things that we've tried to do to get away from it, oftentimes it only makes the situation worse. And so let me ask you this. What if there was a way of getting away that was actually prescribed by Scripture? What if there was a way that even Jesus himself used to get away that we could follow in his example? What if there was a way to escape your future pressures, your future stresses, your future heartaches. And after you implement it, your future self would thank you for implementing that in your life. And so again, we have to come back to the example that Jesus gave us. What did Jesus do to deal with the pressures of his life? What were his worries and anxieties? And I think we don't think about this very often, that Jesus actually had stresses and worries and pressures going on in his life. Uh, he had different demands. People demanded things from him all the time. His life was hectic. And I think sometimes for us it feels like unfair to even think about Jesus in that light because of how we've viewed Jesus our whole life. In fact, when you look at paintings of Jesus like this one, uh, we look at this and we go, oh, Jesus just talking to the birds. That doesn't seem very stressful, does it? Or maybe this picture. Oh, yes. I mean, Jesus doesn't look stressed out at all. In fact, he's glowing, right? He is glowing. Next picture. Oh, I'm, I mean, he's holding a lamb. I mean, if you're holding a lamb, how stressful can your life be? I think I got one more. Yes, he's saying, welcome, hello, hi. I don't know what he's doing there, but he's pointing at you with crooked fingers. And he's like, hey, welcome. Um, when we look at Jesus, this is kind of what goes through our minds. So we think, well, Jesus didn't have a stressful life, did he really? There couldn't have been moments that, he really felt up against something he didn't want to face. But yet when we read verses uh, in context, help us better understand what Jesus was experiencing when it came to these things. Like this verse in Luke 12, 49 and 50, Jesus said, I have come to set the world on fire and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible suffering ahead of me, speaking of his death on the cross, and I am under a heavy burden until it's accomplished. Jesus is saying, because of what is looming in front of me, I am stressed out. Like we know that even when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, that the stress and the pressure was so much that he actually began to sweat drops of blood. And medical experts tell us that when the stress and the burden is great enough, that capillaries in your forehead can burst, thus sweating drops of blood. Um, and I don't think any of us have ever sweat drops of blood before, right? So, I mean, this means that Jesus is carrying a burden that even any of us have never carried. But unlike us, Jesus didn't lose his temper. He didn't put holes into walls with his fists. He didn't have to reach for something cold out of the refrigerator or open up a pill bottle or carry around one of those stress balls when things got a little crazy, right? He didn't even have to do that. And I know the e easy answer is, well, Ryan, I mean, come on, he's God. Of, of course he could handle it. I mean, he was Jesus. 
But if that is really the easy answer that Jesus just fixes everything, then Jesus would have never been stressed in the first place. But somehow, Jesus figured out how to handle and and manage the pressures and the difficult things in life that he was facing. And as you read through the life and teachings of Jesus, you'll notice that everywhere he went, Jesus wanted, or people wanted something from Jesus, didn't they? Jesus, can you heal me? Jesus, can you help my son or daughter and heal them? Hey, Jesus, I have a deep theological question that I'm just hoping that you can answer for me. Hey, can you do this for me? Hey, can you do that for me? And in the pressures of all of that demand and the cross looming and, you know, Judas betraying him and all of these things that he knew and things that were going on in his world, Jesus did something to escape it all. And here it is in Luke 5, 16. And I think it's the very thing that he would invite us into as well. Luke 5, 16, it says this, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, felt it necessary to get away from all of the chaos in life and go talk with his heavenly Father. And the key word is often. Jesus did this often, and this was Jesus' method of getting away. It's how he escaped the pressures and the anxiety and the challenges and the worry and the stress and the demands. He withdrew often to pray and to spend time with his heavenly Father. And I don't think we think about this much, but this is the first filling on your notes this morning if you're taking notes with us. And it's this, that there is a unique relationship between the time spent alone with God and our ability to handle the challenges in front of us. Let me say that again. There is a unique relationship between the time spent alone with God and our ability to handle the challenges in front of us. And it reminded me of this past December. I, have, uh, I actually have four kids, and my two oldest are boys. Uh, they're 14 and 13 years old. And when each of them turned 13, I said, we're going to do a special father-son trip. I said, you can pick anywhere in the United States you want to go, and we'll go do whatever you want to do. And so my son Cooper, he turned 13 in December. And so leading up to it, he had some grand old ideas, and COVID wrecked some of that. Uh, and so then he landed on this idea that he wanted to go to Florida, and he wanted to go shark fishing. And... <clears throat> You know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about sharks, but I just think anytime like you're messing with sharks and, and then like they could eat you and you could die. And so I don't think that's super smart. And so I told him, I'm not sure that's the brightest idea, but we'll do it. And so that's what we did. We went to Florida and we went shark fishing. But while we were there, I wanted to do kind of a special surprise for him. And my son is an adventurous. He loves anything active and outdoors and do all this. And so I, I had surprised him with going on a zip line day where you go up on these four-story towers and you go zip lining. Now, I've, I've been at Westbridge here a few times. And I, if you've heard me talk about my fear of heights, it is legit. Uh, most people are fine getting up on roofs and doing these kind of things and climbing trees. Like, I struggle with, like, step ladders. I mean, that is, like, difficult for me. And so to do this high ropes course, I'm telling you what, it, it was a stretch for me. And so, and because I love my son sometimes, we decided to do this. And so look at this picture. This is us up here on this. We are four stories high, and I am literally shaking. I am freaking out. Um, you can see nothing but trees behind us. And because my son loves me so much, he kept doing stuff like this all day, and it kept ticking me off. And, and, and there were no railings. There was nothing. It was just 
you and death. I mean, that was it. There was nothing, you and death. Just that tiny rope holding you. And so I just stayed in the middle of every platform. And then this next picture shows you, this was our first descent. This was our first leap off and you're trusting the harness and the rope and the line and all of that. And I told him to go first because I just figured if someone was going to die, it's better that it's him. <laughs> I have three other kids at home and a wife and a dog. And I, I, I just figured, you show me how to do it. And so he got up there. And of course, it was nothing for him. He just gets up there and he goes. And, and, and then it was my turn. And I was freaking out. I mean, I can't even tell you. Like, I'm a grown man. And I was freaking out. And I just thought, oh my goodness, I kept testing the line. You know, is this thing going to hold me? Is this thing going to work? And, and I was like, what's the weight limit again? Am I okay? Am I in that range? All right. And so, you know, I get up there and they're like, listen, you just got to go. Like there's people behind you, you got to go. And so I was like, all right, I just got to man up. I got to send it right now. And if I die, I die. So I got to the edge of that thing and I, I just said a short prayer. I said, Jesus, if you were ever going to come back, now would be the time. Like <laughs> before I take this leap, now would be the time to do that. Um, and if not, Jesus, I'm sorry for anything I've ever done. And if I die, I'm coming to see you. And so I get up on that thing and I just sent it across. And I sailed over the waters, which they told us just moments earlier happened to be filled with alligators. Like, why would you tell people that? that I mean, that does not seem like a good return business kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's also alligators in there that can eat you if you fall. And if the fall doesn't kill you, the alligators will. I just don't know that that's a great, like business proposition. Anyway, so, so I made it all the way across and I was so relieved when I got to the other side. And they're like, okay, let's go do it again, you know? And so we walk up this rope ladder thing that could have killed us. And we went to the next platform and we spent the next several hours going from platform to platform to platform. And here's what was so interesting is that after that initial one, it got a little easier for me to make the next jump. And after that, it made it a little easier to trust my equipment and trust the line and all of those things. And, it, and as I kept doing that and I took that leap of faith and I kept trusting that wire over and over again, the next challenge in front of me became easier and easier. And in the exact same way, the more time spent with God in prayer and reading scripture, the more strength and courage we have to face the next challenge in front of us and the next challenge in front of us and the next challenge in front of us. And God is inviting us into this place on a daily basis. And here's his promise to us. And I, just, I mean, I'm telling you what, this, this verse blows my mind. This is his promise and his invitation to us. Look at this. In Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. It says, he who dwells or hangs out or spends time, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Secret place meaning you and God, nothing else. Just you and him. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide or live under the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, think about this. He says, here's my promise to you. If you will get away in a secret place with me and spend time with me, you're going to understand what it means to live under my shadow, my provision, my protection, under a shadow of a God that is almighty. Almighty. In other words, there's nothing that I can't do and now you're living underneath my shadow. I'm step in step with you. And it says that when you are out of that place, you come out of that secret place and you will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. 
Amazing. I love this verse because it promises us that those who would dwell or spend time in the secret place, time with God, will be able to abide under this understanding and this confidence and this strength that there is a God who is with us that is almighty, a God who can do anything in our life and can help us tackle every challenge that comes in front of us. And he says, your confidence and your strength will be at such a point that when you leave that encounter with God, you will say, of your God, he is my refuge and my fortress. In him, I will trust. So what challenges might you face in the future? What challenges are some of you facing right now? And God is saying, if you will bring that to me in a time alone with me, something supernatural will happen in your life. Something supernatural will happen inside of that secret place that not, cannot be found in any other place. And it will give you the strength and the courage that you need. And here's what's so interesting in your next villain, that when you emerge, don't miss this, when you emerge from your secret place with God, your circumstances haven't changed, but you have. Right? You go into your secret place and you're facing different challenges or you know you're going to face challenges and you walk out of that thing and yet something is different inside of you even though something out there, nothing out there is different. None of your circumstances have changed, but something has changed in you. Why? Because you have found the kind of strength that can only come from time with God. You've found the kind of strength that can only come through prayer and reading Scripture. And that's something that not Dr. Phil can do. It's something that the next stress management course or the latest podcast, not another five-hour energy, this kind of strength and courage can only come from time with God. And after that, you move back towards challenges in front of you and you find yourself saying things like, well, I should be worried about that, but I'm not. And normally, I mean, I'd be stressed out of my mind about that, and I'm not. Something has changed inside of me. I've got a peace, and I've got a strength that I didn't have before. And God is saying, come on, this is the power of the secret place. When you get alone with God, and you're praying, and you're reading Scripture, something changes in you. And the challenges. And the pressures and the stresses that would normally send you into a tailspin, that would normally cause you to lose your temper, it's different. Your temper doesn't flare. You have the emotional margin to love your family, to serve your spouse and your kids, to do your job as under the Lord. Suddenly you're not full of yourself and your own concerns, and instead there is peace. And there's rest. And there's an inner strength that you didn't have before. And nothing has changed except you. Nothing changed at work. Nothing changed at school. Nothing changed in that relationship. Nothing changed in your finances. Nothing changed in your medical diagnosis. Nothing changed except you. And that's what God promises. You see, your next fill in the result 
of a habit of time with God is peace and strength. The result of a habit of time with God is peace and strength. Check out this verse in Psalm 138.3. It said, on the day I called, on the day I showed up and I needed you, on the day when God, I had all these pressures and challenges going on, I called out to you and you, what's that word? What's that word? You answered me. What a thought. You made me bold with strength in my soul. I mean, what a thought that the God of the universe would want to commune with us and hang out with us and talk with us. And as a result, we are made bold with strength in our soul that we didn't have before. I mean, come on, how many of us would want that? I mean, all of us would, right? I mean, every single one of us would read that verse and say, yes, I want that. I, I want to be able to call on God and him answer me and he makes me bold with strength. Absolutely. So the question is, what can we do now in light of all this so that our future self will thank us? That when our future self faces all the challenges and the pressures that are headed our way, They'll thank us that we spent time with God. And so here's what we got to do. And these last couple things are going to be practical that I hope will help us lean into this. And here's the first thing on your notes. To find a specific time and place to pray and read Scripture. Find a specific time and place to pray and read Scripture. Maybe you've heard this prayer before. I kind of like this prayer. So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, I haven't lost my temper, I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or indulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of this bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot more help. I mean, isn't that true? We need more help than we like to admit. And sometimes when I pray, I don't always feel like anyone is listening. And usually it's because I'm trying to cram my time in with God with my busy schedule, right? I'll pray while I'm driving or I'm praying while I'm working out. And not that that's bad because the Bible says, hey, pray without ceasing. Sure, you can do all these things. But the kind of prayer and secret place and time with God that we're talking about, the kind of time that gives you bold strength in your soul is not shotgun prayers in the middle of everything else. This kind of boldness and strength of soul can only come from carved out time like Jesus did when he removed all the distractions by getting away in the wilderness and praying and talking to God. Now, you don't have to go to a wilderness, all right? You can just go to somewhere in your home if you want to. You could go to your car. You can find, I mean, if you want to go to the wilderness, you can, but you don't have to, right? I mean, Jesus went to the wilderness, but we can go anywhere to find a quiet place, time alone with God without any other distractions. And one of my favorite times to do that is before the day starts. It's before I open my email. It's before I start answering phones, before I start doing all of that and planning and prepping and doing all that. Because I know the moment my day gets going, even though I have good intentions to fit it in later, my day gets away from me. And so for me, it's the first thing that I want to open my day with. And it's a time to focus our mind and our heart and our thoughts and bring them to God. And so here's a great way to remember how to pray. 
If you know how to spell pray, you can do this. P-R-A-Y. If you know how to pray, spell the word pray, you can do this. And it's just an acronym for the word pray that I think might help you. And here it is, and this is on your notes as well. The P stands for praise. Praise God for who he is. It means taking a couple minutes and just beginning with praise, saying, God, I'm so thankful for who you are in my life. I praise you, God, that you are almighty and that there's nothing too hard for you. God, I thank you that you love me when I've been unlovable. Right? And you just begin to expound on this and declare how good and how great and how awesome God is. And here's what this begins to do. It opens up our heart and our mind to the reality of how big God is and how small we are. It reminds us of how much we need him. And so we begin with praise. The R stands for repent. Repent for wrongful actions. It's when we can come to him and ask for his forgiveness and his mercy that are new every single morning. Here's a great thing to do with your kids. When you're driving and you happen to be early in the morning and you ever see a sunrise, to point at that sunrise and just ask your kids, do you know what that sunrise means? And they'll respond, I don't know. What does that mean? The day is starting? I don't know. It's the sun. I don't know. Actually, that sunrise means that God's mercy and grace and forgiveness for us is brand new today. Isn't that an amazing thought? That no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter how long we've been gone, every time that sun rises, God tells us, my, ner- my mercies are brand new for you. And I think if we were honest, a lot of times we don't come and talk to God because we feel like we can't. We feel guilty. We feel ashamed. We feel like it's been too long since we prayed. We know that God knows what we did that last weekend. I mean, right? So we just feel full of shame and guilt, and so we just don't talk to God. We just think if we don't talk to him, then maybe, I don't know, things will just disappear and we can kind of ignore it. But the truth of the matter is that there's not a one of us that have lived an unloved day. There's not a day that God hasn't seen us at our worst that has caused him to love us any less. And he invites us. He says, come on, this is the only place that you can receive forgiveness and grace in your time of need. He's like, I'm here and I love you. And so we repent, we bring these things, we say, God, I blew it. I shouldn't have said that and I shouldn't have done that and I know better about that and God, I, I'm asking you to forgive me. And boy, when you do that, something releases in your heart to again just restore communication with you and God. And he takes away all of our sin. And so the P is praise and the R is repent and the A is ask. Ask God for help, for wisdom, for provision, for a greater knowledge of who he is. I mean, it's a good thing to bring our requests to him. To know that he cares about us and he loves us and he wants us to bring our needs and our concerns and our worries and our stresses and our challenges. We can bring it all before him. I love this verse in 1 John 5, 14. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he, what's that word? Hears us. Again, amazing. That God hears us. Another scripture in Psalm says, before a word is even spoken from our lips, he's already working on our behalf. God loves us. He sees our needs and he wants to help us. So the P is for praise, R, repent, A, ask, and then the Y is yield. 
The why is yield for God to speak to you. Now, maybe you've never thought about this, that God wants to speak to you. And you might be like, Ryan, this is getting weird. You mean God speaks to you? No, he does. I mean, it's not like a weird, creepy, audible voice because that would be weird. But he speaks to our heart. And it's amazing that when you quiet all the distractions and you're alone with him and you just simply ask God, will you speak to my heart? You will be amazed at the things that he will drop in. The answers to different solutions that you're looking for. Answers to questions you have. Courage and confidence. Strength for your soul. It's amazing how he'll begin to speak to you even about situations that you're in and give you the ideas that you need to move forward. So we just take time to yield and just wait on him. So I want to encourage you to use that acronym, to, to write that thing down. And for those of you deeper in your faith, I would encourage you, maybe take one of the Psalms every day and let that patiently become your prayer for the day. To read it through and let it be your prayer from your heart. And grow in that relationship of talking with God and letting him talk to you. And then secondly, and then we're going to get ready to wrap this up. Secondly, I want to encourage you to choose a reading plan to help guide you. That's your next fill-in. Choose a reading plan to help guide you. And here's why. Because I don't recommend anyone just picking up the Bible and reading from the beginning to the end. Genesis to Revelation, I'm just going to start. And I wouldn't recommend that for two main reasons. Number one, the Bible is not in chronological order, which means you're going to get into it and some of that stuff happened before and after and and you tend to get a little bit turned around and a little bit confused. Um, And secondly, while Genesis and Exodus are pretty exciting, by the time you get to Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you will not be a Bible reader, you'll be a Bible quitter, okay? So I, and you'll just be like, oh my gosh, how long is this going to go on, right? So this is a good thing to get a devotional book or a reading plan. And I think there can be lots of plans that work. But here's one thing specifically I want to recommend to you. If you've never downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, this is your ticket for any plan. I'm telling you what, this app has changed my devotional life. It has helped me so much. Uh, if you haven't downloaded it, just go to your app store and put in either version or just the Bible, and that icon will come up. And inside of that are literally thousands of reading plans on any subject you could ever imagine that would help you for anything that you are facing in life. It has, you know, daily reminders. It has a daily scripture. It has all of these things to really help you stay on track in reading God's word and helping to apply it to your life. Uh, There's a couple that I found. There's one called the Bible in a year that mixes up Old Testament and New Testament, puts in a psalm and a proverb. There's another one called SOAP, S-O-A-P. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And it leads you through each one. It gives you a little bit of Scripture. Here's what you should think about this. Here's um, what you can uh, apply to your life. And here's what you pray about. Super simple. Uh, There's another one called the Bible Project. Uh, Maybe you've seen some of their YouTube videos, but these guys are theologians and geniuses at breaking down complex things in the Bible and helping us understand. Well, they have a year in the Bible that includes videos with about the stuff you're about to read that really help understand it. And so I encourage you to get one of these apps or to get this app and pick one of these daily reading plans. And I know in general that the Bible, no matter what you decide to do, the Bible at times can be hard to understand. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. This is your next fill-in. To pray before you read it and ask God to speak to you through it. 
Pray before you read it. It's a simple prayer that says, Father, before I read your word today, I'm asking you to help me understand what I need to understand and help me be changed by it. And there will be some things you understand, great, take it, apply it. There will be things you don't understand, fine, leave it. Unless you're super interested and you can start, you know, Googling stuff and figuring stuff out, that's great. But just skip part, past the parts you don't understand and grab a hold of the things that you do understand because I promise you, if you begin to invest in a time of prayer and a time of reading, something supernatural is going to shift inside of your soul that will allow you to face the kind of challenges that are coming your way. Last summer, it was probably May time. Um, I got to tell you, for me personally, I was going through a super hard time. Uh, not only were we dealing with the COVID crisis and our church shutting down, and I know you guys experienced all of that as well, um, but I have four kids, like I mentioned, and all four of my kids were doing school from home. And my wife, who's a marriage and family therapist, she was trying to work from home and I was trying to work from home. And so there was like several months there where you can't imagine how much love there was in our home <laughs> as we wanted to kill each other and adopt out every one of our kids. Like it was just, it was a hard time for us. All of my kids are like an eight on the Enneagram. They're all extrovert. They're all like big opinions, stubborn. I mean, you know, like one day they'll be a good leader, but man, it's hell for mom and dad right now, all right? And so we're just, we're managing all of that. So during this time, it was just, it, you know, I just felt down. And then I, we had a, a family in our church, a guy that I was close with. I mean, we went to breakfast probably once every two months together for five years. And uh, one weekend he died of a brain aneurysm, 50, in his early 50s, 52 years old. And... Here's his, his wife, his two college-age sons. And I got to tell you, it, it, it was a stretch for me over a couple weeks where it felt like I was wearing a blanket of despair and I couldn't get out from underneath it. And I just buried myself in work, buried myself in trying to figure out, you know. And uh, one day my brother sent me a text and he didn't even know all that was going on. He just, it, it was sent to me and several other people. Um, but the text just said this, 10 minutes of meditation to disconnect from all this craziness. And it was a YouTube link. And it was filled with a, a couple worship songs put together. And I just thought, all right, I'm just going to stop what I'm doing. And I'm just going to like shut everything out. And I'm going to listen to this for 10 minutes. And so I started playing this and watching this video and worshiping along with it. And I'll tell you what, five minutes in, tears began rolling down my face. And a release happened inside of me that I haven't experienced in a long time. There was something supernatural that happened to me in that moment. That after that 15 minutes that I was with God and in his presence, I was changed. The blanket of despair was lifted off of me, even though not one of my circumstances had changed. Something was different. And it was the kind of strength of soul that God promises that can only come from getting into that secret place with him. Spending time with your heavenly father. And he begins to minister to us in a way that a friend can't, a family member can't, a Netflix binge can't. I'm telling you what, there is nothing like it. And it's why the prophet Isaiah... He's my favorite prophet, favorite book of the Bible. In fact, my youngest son, his middle name is Isaiah because I love this book so much. This is what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. 
he asked this question, do you not know and have you not heard? I mean, he wrote this a couple thousand years ago, but he's saying to even to us, hey, if you're here today, do you not know and have you not heard this news that I'm about to tell you? That the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Isaiah says, before what I'm about to tell you, because this is so important for you, before we even get to this, I just want to remind you how huge and great and big God really is. And then he goes on to say, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait on the Lord, those who spend time in the secret place, those that hang out with their heavenly Father will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Wow. What a promise. And what does it require of you to receive all of that? To find a time and a place. But here's what I know about you, because I know it about me. You're going to have a hard time finding the time. You're going to have to make the time. Because I know if I were to look at your schedule for this next week, I would go, whoa, you're busy. So I know that you won't find time because it's hard for me to find time. We have to make time to spend time with our Heavenly Father. Because like Isaiah just said, waiting in God's presence and trusting a capable and almighty God is what brings strength and healing and perspective that cannot come any other way. And come on, we all know this. Everybody doing it in their own strength, eventually they're going to burn out. Eventually they're going to hit a wall. Eventually they're going to stumble and fall, just like Isaiah said. But then he says, hey, I've got a secret. If you will spend time in the secret place, just you and God, you will find bold strength for your soul. You will rise up like wings on eagles. You will soar, you will run and not faint for every challenge that lies in front of you. You see, your last fill-in, waiting on God gives you new strength and faith to face your challenges. It will. Waiting on God gives you new strength and faith to face your challenges. And sometimes it's as easy as this. Hey, Siri, remind me at 7 a.m. to pray. Okay, your reminder is set for tomorrow, 7 a.m. Sweet, that was easy. And now Siri's helping me get close to God. Challenges and heartaches and pressures. I wish they weren't, but they're coming your way. And if you can establish a secret place, time with God, your heavenly father who loves you and cares about you, 
when you hit those moments, your future self will thank you for developing that habit that will give you the strength to see you through it and to come out better for it on the other side. Hey, would you pray with me? Before I pray for all of us, maybe there's some of us in this room and, and if you're in an honest moment, you'd say, Ryan, I've, I've not said yes to Jesus. I'm not walking with him. I'm not living for him. But as I've been exploring faith, I want to. Or maybe you've been gone from church for a long time and you're ready to lean back in. Maybe you're watching online today and you know that you're far from God. And today, your heavenly father is waiting. He's waiting for a relationship with you. And if you're ready today to say yes to Jesus, if you're willing to cross that line of faith and make him the leader of your life, I want to lead you in a prayer today that can begin that journey for you. And it's a prayer of forgiveness and acknowledgement that you want him to lead your life. And so if that's you, you can whisper that and just repeat this prayer after me right where you're sitting. And if you're watching online, you can repeat this prayer after me as well. Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me even when I've been unlovable. Please forgive me and take all my sin away. I want to live for you. And I want you to be the leader of my life. I believe that you are the son of God and that you died for me and that you love me. And so I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, God did just that. He took away that sin and he's giving you a brand new faith start. So Father, for everyone in this room, we know that we're all going to face different challenges and pressures and stresses that are going to come our way. And we just declare that we need you. And we need your help to develop this time alone with you. So I pray before the day ends that every person in this room or watching online would make a plan for tomorrow for how they will spend time with you. That you'd help us make the time and find the reading plan and download the app that, that we would this week begin to spend time. And as we do, I pray, God, that you would meet us all right where we're at and that you would give us strength for our soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.